Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. Today we're talking about something nearly every trans person is intimately familiar with because we often can't be who we are without it. And I'm going to tell you a true story to help explain. Let's dive in to trans courage. Hi, I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, my lifeline of light in the oppressive darkness, Susan Bridges. I am not the light. You are to me. <laughs> you are my light. I like that you make up a new one of these for every episode. You said that before. It's a challenge, but <laughs> yeah, gotta keep myself on my toes, you know. Our returning guest is CJ. CJ is a huge nerd about pretty much everything, be it media, music, sexuality, psychology, books, or games. They have a self-diagnosed busy mind and a passion for people and conversation. In the waking world, they work as chief operations officer for a fintech firm trying to make capitalism just a little bit less terrible. Outside of that, they're a board games fanatic, a moderately good pianist, a lover of audio drama, and a painter of small plastic models. And of course, they still love cheese and wine. Welcome back, CJ. Hello, it is good to be back. Thank you very much. Um, yes, cheese and wine. The, the continued campaign for their super, supremacy. <laughs> it's important that we get the message out. Yeah, <laughs> cheese and wine. Yeah. So. Nobody knows about them, really. They're very no, under the radar. They right? are, I know, no hidden. One... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your um, small plastic model painting, because I do that too, and... You're way better at it than I am. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't you think I've are. Seen, I, I see the I photos. I don't think I've seen any of yours. You'll have to send me. You have to send me some photos. I'd love to okay. see them. Okay, they're not great. Um, <laughs> no, no. Like what? I tell you what. I'm not bad at scenery. That's the thing. Scenery yeah. is what I've kind of thrown myself into. Where I struggle is like the individual miniatures and stuff. Because oh yeah, that's all I've I tried is the the people miniatures yeah honestly what i recommend is just get yourself like a cottage or something to paint like a small plastic <laughs> cottage or like just just I, i've spent a lot of time just painting like rubble that's very cathartic <laughs> like how much like a rock can i make this rock look like <laughs> that feel that feels good it's like wow it's a rock and then bex is like paint something real paint something pretty i know but look at my pretty rocks <laughs> I do love. I don't know what I'm painting for. I started. I mean, I've painted throughout my life, but I'd got out of it. But then I bought the role-playing game Gloomhaven, okay, which is like D and D in a box, and yeah. there is no need to paint any scenery for it. No need. It all comes in the box. It's a board game. You can play it for hours. It's great. But I was like, no, no, no. If we're going to play this, I'm going to make it all in 3D. We're going to make yeah. the most realistic <laughs> version of board game ever. And it's four years later, and we've played very little Gloomhaven. But I have a lot of stuff that I could use to play Gloomhaven yeah. in 3D. Now, rather than it taking about 15 minutes to set up a game, it takes about an hour to set up a game. Yeah. 
it's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I kind it's of totally felt, pointless. I fell into that a little bit. Did. Oh, wait, oh, before the pandemic. Well, I was painting the, the miniatures, but before that even, I got really ambitious with one of our role-playing games. I was running a Fallout game, and I got really into paper models of buildings and scenery and you know where you'd print it out in color and you'd fold it and glue it all up to make buildings and i was making full towns <laughs> and giant structures and like <laughs> half of them we never used in the game because the, they never the players never went to those places which always pissed me off I'm like why well, put all that work in for but it was cool but so yeah i totally get the let's put way more work into this than we need to and then never use the things yeah oh, i've been there absolutely I've been there. although you have reminded me i have seen your miniatures you painted star trek miniatures for your star trek role playing that's game, right and they were great well, so none of, none of this are, i'm not good i you remember are too you posting kind. those they were no. c minus at best <laughs> <laughs> You're too critical on yourself. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm being very, very generous with myself right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I have way too much in this cupboard, which the podcast people cannot see, but you can see this cupboard behind me with the flags over it. That is full of unpainted plastic that is just like, no, it's my cupboard of shame that, uh, that <laughs> I, I'll get to it. I'm like, one day I'll retire, right? And then I'm going to have, hopefully, at least yeah. a decade or two just to do, just to paint models. And I'll paint right? it all. I have this this weird dream that one day I'm going to get like a, we're going to have a big house and there'll be a room we don't need for anything. And I'll put a giant yes. table in it and I'm going to build yeah. an entire yeah. miniature town. Having an extra room in Los Angeles. <laughs> I can dream. Sure. <laughs> See that's All why right. I, that's why I live in Redditch in 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 the West Midlands. We live here because you can afford a house. It's there's nothing here. It's a cultural vacuum. We have a needle mill museum that is a museum wow. about about making needles. Wow. Because that's the only thing that Redditch is famous for. I love this. It sounds <laughs> incredible. You've got to come you've got to come and see it. It's great. But that's literally it. That's the only cultural thing where I live. But you can get you can get a house. <laughs> yeah, we need to fall in love with a different neighborhood. The problem is we really like it here. Yeah. What are you gonna do? All right. So what has been the most surprising part about transitioning for you? Most surprising. Honestly, actually, how generally not bothered most people were. In fact, the most, well, the, okay, two, two responses I had, which one, one was from a lot of people, which was, yeah, that makes sense, when yeah. I told them. And then the other was from Bex, who said, oh, thank God I didn't marry a man, which was literally the sweetest <laughs> thing she could have said to me at that point Did in time. Did you have that, that same thought or feeling at all? I was like, oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, but did you have the thank God I didn't marry a man feeling? Because I know I... you've always been more into ladies. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Well, I feel like this isn't really about me. But yeah, like, <laughs> I, think that, I mean, I grew up in an extremely conservative yeah. place. And so this, you know, gay people were not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, even just being like 14 or 15 and being like, I really like that girl's clothes. No, you really like that girl. Yeah. It was like really there. Well, it was both for me, but. But like, yeah, as time went on, I was like, yeah, I really like women. And then I'm like, I really like women more yeah. than men <laughs> by a wide margin. Well, you're welcome. And now I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm that makes sense. sense. Anyway, uh, please continue. Yeah, no, no, that no, that's good. I, 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 yeah, we want to hear these things from people as well. It's, yeah, that was a very sweet reaction from Bex, and <laughs> I think surprising. I think it's that 
I felt like two years ago I came out and I said I'm non-binary and like my pronouns be they them but it's that in the two years it's continued to develop and uh-huh. I and I had the conversations with myself like is this a step to me actually coming out as a trans woman like is that where is this is this a journey right a bit like 24 years ago when I kind of realized I was bi and it was like is this a journey to me actually being gay right and that was very much no and you know Susan you're talking there about you know I know you're bi as well and it's like you you're pro women and so do I like I lean definitely on that end of the Kinsey scale I fancy some dudes too you know and I also fancy non-binary people And this is the wonderful thing the scale has kind of like now become a, a much more open spectrum you know, I, I fancy everybody. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we will not talk about that too much. I think it's that, yeah, it, it, it has been, you know, I realized quite early on, I don't think this is a journey to be becoming a trans woman because I feel quite comfortable in that, in the realization of being non-binary and that kind of like just breaking away from masculinity was the key. That was the yeah. important step. It wasn't necessarily a step towards femininity per right. se in the you know and again there isn't the right language for this i uh, hopefully you understand my my meaning but it's that the journey continues i guess and that every so often and like you know recent realization i've used cj online for a long time i think you both you both know that yeah and i kind of go by multiple names online because i kind of have and i don't mind people knowing it so my name you know the name i use at work is chris and chris barton is is my name but then online and on facebook and on various other places i go by cj britain and britain was my maiden name when i was a maiden because i took okay. Lex's name when i got married and i kind of go by both and i use both for different purposes and they're, they're sort of enmeshed but more and more i feel more like cj yeah and chris doesn't is chris doesn't offend me it doesn't upset me it's it's not a it's not a dead name per se maybe it will be in the future i don't know maybe i will right. feel more like that but right now it doesn't i, I i'm not that fussed but i feel you know, I, I talk about myself more as CJ and I think about my more, more myself more as that. A bit like how two years ago I started talking myself more as they and them and less about he and him. Right. And then there's that, there's that fun journey. And I don't know, I don't know if you had this. I'm I'm not sure if, you, I've, I don't think I've read you said anything about this, but like those first few months, you know your trans, you know your pronouns, but you've had X decades yep. of talking about yourself in a different way. And, and so you occasionally you yourself. just misgender yourself. Yep. Yep. And you're like, that's not even how I think about myself, but it's just yep. the habit. Yeah. Is like, and so that, and but I I definitely know in the last 12 months, I don't think I've misgendered myself at all, as opposed to the first 12 months where I did it loads. Yeah. It's yeah. a process. You get you get more used to it as you go. But yeah, and it's not like you, you are actually thinking of yourself by those old pronouns. It's just that, yeah, it's the force of habit because... Your Not brain is used to it for your whole life, and it just takes time to rewire things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, the very interesting thing with us is that, because we've been married for such a long time. Yeah. And I I remember accidentally misgendering you when talking about something that happened a really long time ago. Yeah. Because back then you were presenting as yeah. male, and right. so... It's just something my brain did, even though obviously I do not think of you. No, you never have. And I don't you know, misgender you. I mean, in the beginning, like I changed your name in my phone. <laughs> right. Like to get used to it, like because it was difficult at first. Sure. Because, you know, uh, yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> years and years with a different name. Yeah, it takes a while to. Yeah, yeah. To fix that in your brain. Yeah. But interestingly, like from what you were talking about, too, like I used to consider myself bisexual, but then I also faced a lot of crap about it when I was 
looking like I was in a hetero relationship. Yep. I faced some discrimination from other queer people. Yep. Just yeah, like I've had that too. So like and and even even though I know now that bisexual is fine to use, like I tend to go more toward queer. I'm very comfortable with trans people and yeah. I'm attracted to trans people. I'm attracted to androgyny. I'm attracted to yeah. presenting men. Like yeah. it's so like I feel like it's it's a little more inclusive. I don't know. I like queer because everyone can be queer. That's the best thing about it. It it, it doesn't like love put it. anyone in yeah. space. Yeah. No, I completely. I, I I use queer about myself more than anything else. Now. Yeah, yeah. I never like a lot. I have friends who you know went with pansexual rather than bisexual, but I just never. I know I never. There's not a word that I ever started using like consciously. Yeah. But I agree. Like I think yeah. If the choice was there to say straight bi or gay, I'd choose bi. But I agree I with you that it is a limiting word, and there is stigma both in straight society and queer society yeah which is difficult and you know maybe they don't need to know who i'm attracted to (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's none of their business maybe it's not your business screw your form (laughs) yeah well okay you talked a little bit about this then but let me just ask if you have any other specific advice that you would give to people out there who think they might be non-binary but aren't sure how to know if that is where they are or if it is a step along a journey (laughs) I think that is advice, I would say, is take the step. Because if you're non-binary and it's a step towards that, then, you know, you'll get there and you will feel comfortable. You will feel at peace. You will feel those realizations, be it how you present physically, be it how you present on the inside, be it how you present yourself to society as a person. I think you'll, you, you you will reach that point and you'll be like, oh, yes here we go, this is me. You feel that euphoria. Yeah. You feel that sense of, of calmness in, in yourself. I can't speak to it being a step towards kind of sure. crossing crossing the binary, as it were, yeah. you know, to, to use that terminology. But I would imagine that it's a different experience of moving through it. I've known people, I have friends who have gone from, you know, presenting themselves as cis, presenting themselves as non-binary, to being trans, to going back to non-binary. Yeah. This is the this is the thing, there's there's the there's the problematic notion that you should know. And right. and, and, mm-hmm. and that goes back to bisexuality as well. Like that's something we've I, I you know, I've certainly faced that it's like, you know, well you can't be bi, you should know. Like are you attracted to men or are you attracted to women? Come on, make your mind up. And yeah. now we've spectrumatized things. That's not a word, but we're going to use it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> now we've done that. It's like, sure, there's a spectrum, but you should know where you are on that spectrum. And once you've found that place, please don't move because that's confusing for the rest of us. Whereas I think sometimes it is a journey and some that journey might yeah. go on for the rest of your life. It might be, yep. you know, backwards and forwards. And that's OK because it's you and yep. who, it doesn't affect anyone else. You that's know, right. really. Yeah in any meaningful way so what i would say is take the step it is hard i think find you know find queer spaces find other non-binary people to talk to find other trans people to talk to find friendly queer friendly ally cis people to talk to you know like you know expand yourself in that world i'd say certainly like i in the last kind of six seven years once we'd settled here in in this house and in this place in the UK, I've become much more involved in what I will describe as kind of the alternative community in Birmingham. 
you know, be that, you know, musical, art or cultural, sexuality, sure. etc. And that has been a huge part of my journey. Because I think knowing those people, meeting those people, talking about their lives, seeing their experience. I have, I'm have. i going to do a shout out to a wonderful friend who I hope listens to this, Kel. They live in Canada and they've been my friend online for many years. And they, they've, you know, they, they've had their own journeys through sexuality and through gender expression. They were a big inspiration to me and they were one of the first people that kind of I spoke to after yeah. I came out. And, and that's the thing. I think if you have those people in your life that can show you the way it could be, you can decide, or maybe it could, I could be that way for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's why if it is, I always say, if it is safe for us to be out and we are able to do so, it's so important because it can help so many other people just by seeing us out there yeah. living our lives and being true to ourselves and being happy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I forgot to ask you this last time, so I want to be sure I get it in now, but where can people find you online if they would like more of CJ after this? <laughs> so so largely online, I'm under the handle OmniNB, so that's O-M-N-I-N-B-E-N-B-Y for non-binary, for those that don't know. So I'm pretty much out there as that on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, ugh, Twitter. I might be leaving Twitter soon, so I wouldn't hold on to that too closely because Twitter is a cesspit, and a few other You're places. Uh, <laughs> and um, and then on Facebook, I'm CJ Britton, and you're more than welcome to add me on there as well. It's pretty open, and if you like photos of painted models and geekery and <laughs> occasional rants at the hetero patriarchy, then uh, bring it on. Who doesn't love all those things? It's good stuff. <laughs> it's all good. All right, so let's get into this week's topic. No place has ever felt like home to me unless Susan was there with me, and even still, no place has felt like home more than Los Angeles. I think the city itself feels more like home than any of the other places or apartments we've ever lived in. I feel somewhat disassociated from my past and childhood for reasons I talked about before, mostly in the Trans Tuesday on the past and why it can haunt those of us who transition as adults, which was episode two of this very podcast. We moved around a lot when I was a kid, so I never had too long to get attached to a place. The longest we ever lived somewhere was one house from when I was 8 to 16, so I suppose that's as close to any kind of feeling of a childhood home that I have. And there was this playground nearby, and I went there with my friends often, but it wasn't that big and we'd get bored pretty quickly, and we'd end up heading out to this fairly big for a suburb park that was part of it. And way at the far end was this very modest lake, which I think was created as part of the subdivision we lived in. It took a while to walk there, and all the nearby surrounding houses faced away from it, and most of them had their yards blocked by big fences. So when you were there, it felt kind of like you were in your own little world. There's a, a pretty busy street nearby, with present satellite view shows six lanes wide, so you could always hear the traffic, but it didn't matter, it still felt like this place was our little secret. Did you have anything like that when you were a kid, CJ? This little, like, secretish place where you could get away from the world? It's a really good question. I'm not sure I did, but I loved imaginative play, like imaginative yeah. role play. And me and my brother did that pretty constantly. The most in-depth, like, plotline story oh, yeah. adventures throughout my childhood yeah you yeah. too that that's interesting and i, I you know I, of course a lot of kids you know I, I you know i'm not i don't, i would never claim to say that that's a unique like trans experience per se but i think that it it was that escape into being something else to being someone else to being like just to explore a 
a different facet of oneself through play. Yeah. And it was stuff that we clung on to for years, like a lot a lot older, I think, than other kids of my age were doing. Like we were still doing that, like certainly into my, like, kind of my teens. And yeah. I was like three years younger than me. And he's gone on to he's gone on to be a to be a playwright and has written loads. And obviously I've dabbled with writing, but finance keeps pulling me back. Yeah, <laughs> definitely that I think that was probably my happy that was my that was my my happy place. I you know I again I, I was I was lucky I had supportive good parents who who you know have always kind of taken care of me in that regard so it wasn't like I had to escape from the reality of living per se with that but yeah. I think there was a there was an escape into an imaginative play just to be like oh I'm now this thing or I'm now that thing and I'm now doing something different and I'm being someone else yeah that kind of stuff can be really valuable when you're when you're little and trying to figure things out and even as we grow you know even just now writing holds a lot of that for me because in every script we write, it's a new person you're getting inside the mind of. And totally. so it really helps. Yeah. So at this lake that I mentioned, we would sometimes go fishing, I guess, because my parents bought me a fishing pole and a tackle box because it was a thing boys should have. I never had any interest in it. I don't know. I made my friends always put the worms on the hook because I was not going to touch them. That's so crazy. <laughs> Until I really loved it, right? <laughs> so we never caught anything and thinking about how this was an artificial lake, there probably wasn't even any fish in it. I, I don't think we'd have known what to do if we caught one anyway. I suspect there would have been a lot of screaming. <laughs> there were always a lot of ducks, though, and we'd find tortoises sometimes, and we'd skate on it in our sneakers in the winter when it was frozen over, which was probably a very bad decision, and I may be lucky to still be alive. But that's not the half of the story. I mean, both of us really had very unsupervised childhoods and unsafe yes very yeah. large portions of our time. yeah yeah being highly unsafe basically describes me as a kid our neighborhood was relatively <laughs> new and uh, things were always under construction so in the summers when i was off school i'd go poking through every construction site on the weekend when nobody was there and once i found a house that only had a basement foundation so far and i jumped down inside to explore and had very, very little upper arm strength at the time and could not pull myself back up to get out. It took me over an hour to figure out how to escape that proto-basement. And it occurs to me now that my fascination with exploring buildings that were under construction and nowhere near finished is probably related to my love of cutaways and blueprints and technical diagrams, always searching for meaning. That's me. You could see the Trans Tuesday on Searching for Meaning When You're Trans, which was also the very previous episode of this podcast, episode 16. Anyway, I never panicked when I was trapped in that basement other than worrying I'd be home late. All of this is just to show you what this lake meant to me back then. And so you understand the general nature of Little Tilly's insatiable curiosity. Um, spoiler, Big Tilly has that too. CJ, did you ever do stuff like that as a kid looking back was so ill-advised and incredibly dangerous? I, I Susan and I can't be the only ones who've done this. <laughs> <laughs> a, a bit, but not yeah. a lot. I am... Um... Curiosity, yes, fully with you on that. Yeah. But I think I'm, I have had a journey of nervousness and being aware of consequences of things. Yeah. Which has, you know, I've had therapy and I'm much better at it now. But I <laughs> definitely would often veer to the side of caution, which meant yeah. I think I look back and certain sometimes things I missed out on opportunities because I kind of went, oh. I don't know what the outcome yeah. of that's going to be. Right. So I think it's almost the opposite, almost the other end of yeah, a little of bit it, of it to a certain extent. Like there was there were certain things, but nothing really jumps out as like, oh wow, I was 
what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe probably more once I left home and went came to the because I lived abroad. I lived in the Netherlands when I was a teenager, and then I, I left to come to the UK to go to, to university. And probably more when I came to university. That was probably when more of the inadvisable risk-taking things happened. That's what but, those uh, this years is... are for, though, right? <laughs> yes, this is a family podcast, so we shall not go into details around that. <laughs> that was definitely when I think I did throw caution to the wind and go, I'm going to be this. And that, that was an interesting experience as well. But as a kid, no, I was, I was, I was a nervous kid. Yeah. All right, so let's find out just how, how not smart I was as a child. Okay, so the corner of this lake that I mentioned had a sewer runoff pipe that led into it. Uh, it wasn't like a, a sewage sewer, but like a rain runoff type thing. And it went all around the lake on Google Maps Street View, trying to get a, an image of it. But due to the houses ringing the lake with all their fences that I mentioned before, it's basically blocked on every side. So I couldn't get a, get a photo of it. But I've always been someone whose imagination runs away with her, which works well for being a writer. And I could not stop thinking about what wonders might be deep inside that sewer pipe. I tried to talk my friends into going in it all the time, but none of them ever would. Speaks well of them, I think. They weren't imaginative banana clowns like me. But remember, I'm the girl who jumped into an unfinished basement with seven-foot high walls and no stairs without a single thought as to how I'd get back out. So one hot summer day, I was bored at the playground and I was alone. My parents always told me to come back if none of my friends were around, but I never did because I was a scamp. So I went down to the lake and poked around in the muck a little bit, and I could hear the traffic and the ducks and that weird kind of buzzy home you get from bugs during Midwest summers that I can hear so clearly in my mind, but couldn't remotely tell you what actually made that sound. Uh, the lake... There's probably cicadas. Well, they're not always around, though. They're only around, like, every 13 years, aren't no, they? there's other kinds. So, well, that's what I know about cicadas. <laughs> just cicadas. Nothing. So the lake was always mostly still, though you could get some tiny waves from what little wind could get between the houses or from the huge open field between the lake and the playground. But I saw that drainage pipe, and I couldn't stop looking at it, and my heart raced. And you know where this is going. I peeked around the side, and I looked in, and it was pitch black. And when I tell you this gave me only a moment's hesitation, well, yes, I was actually kind of terrified, but the curiosity, what was in there, whatever it was, I'd be the first one to know. I know it was hot and sunny that day, but I guess it must have rained recently because there was water running through the pipe. Not a lot, but enough that I couldn't walk in without getting my feet soaked. So I don't know how I didn't die, but I leapt across the stream on the bottom, hit the side of the pipe with my left foot and shot my right foot out the other way and balanced myself with my legs spread wide over the stream, my feet at weird awkward angles due to the rounded sides of the pipe. And then I don't know what you call it. It wasn't walking. I'd pull one foot off the wall and shoot it forward to immediately brace it again and then do the other side so I could move down the pipe without wading through the water. And so I went, just down into the darkness. It obviously got darker the further in I went. I don't know where the nearest opening for rainwater was, but it wasn't close. Sounds got muffled. I couldn't hear the traffic anymore. I couldn't hear the ducks. I couldn't hear the buzzing insects. Or cicadas. <laughs> All I could hear was the running of the water underneath me, my sneakers as they scuffled along the wall, and my ragged breathing because I was ding-dang terrified. Eventually, I'd gone so far that the opening looked kind of like a pinprick behind me. I couldn't see anything. It was just me and those curved concrete walls that I could feel through the soles of my shoes and the sound of the water. And I wasn't worried about getting hurt, just about getting lost. I've always had great spatial acuity though i can see shapes in my mind and how they fit together i'm great at packing suitcases you will confirm this i'm so good at it 
Uh-huh. And the refrigerator, too. Good Thank job. you. Yes. Mm. And remembering convoluted paths through video games. I could do that, too, even at that age. So I was pretty sure I'd be able to find my way out, especially as I had only gone down a straight line so far. But again, I have an overactive imagination. So what if I couldn't? What if I was lost down there? How would anyone ever find me? No one ever would ever even think to look down there. What if I was stuck alone, starving to death in the darkness forever? What if while I was down there, there was a thunderstorm and water came rushing in and drowned me? Note, I did not think of these things before going in. It's the Basement Foundation all over again. It's so fun to be a kid. So I think, CJ, you already kind of answered this, but I was going to ask if you were a, <laughs> ever a leap without looking kid or were you a whole lot smarter than I was? Oh, I don't know. I, I, don't, think it's, I, I, I don't think it's smart. I don't know. I, I, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's value and merit in both approaches. Yeah. I, I would not be walking into that fight. <laughs> Just no way. Yeah. No, I'd be I like, that the this. other kids would be doing that, and I'd be like, I'll oh, just stay here and mind the sandwiches. Have fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> just just yeah. no way would I be doing that. But I but you know, I think both is it's interesting because you say you've got an overactive imagination. I have an overactive imagination and I'd be imagining all the stuff that was in that pipe. Right. Was you would imagine it before going in, not while you were down in there, which is why maybe you were a smarter child than I was. Okay, so back in that sewer pipe, I was excited and fascinated and my heart was beating out of my chest. And I was finally thinking about turning around when I noticed I could see a little better. There was light up ahead and the, the first branch in the pipe. Well, I at least had to see what that was about, as I hadn't seen or found anything, and that disappointment would not stand. So I continued on till I got to the opening, where it branched off to the right. There was a weird little sort of lip where the two concrete pipes met, and the water was running over it, but I could stand on either side without too much trouble, which was a good spot to rest my feet. So I got myself on that somehow, and I looked down this new avenue, and there was the first drain I'd seen from the street above, sunlight streaming down through the circular overhead grate. I had no idea how long I'd been in the dark, but the light hurt a little the way it cut through the dark like neon. I used my same shuffling method and went down the, the new pipe to the opening and I looked up. I have no idea where I was within the neighborhood. I have no idea what was up there. To this day, I still don't know. All I saw was bright blue sky. If I ever go back to that town, I could probably walk around the streets near the lake and find the exact spot, assuming there hasn't been any major drainage construction, but I'm not sure I want to. I mean, I kind of do, but kind of no, because it feels like that spot would be somehow less mine and less special. I don't know, but to see it from the other side of the drain would really be something. But the image of that neon-like shaft of light from above, the only thing I could see in the blackout, has been seared in my brain since that day, and I hope I never forget it. It was the first thing I think I'd ever experienced where I realized this was mine. Nobody else's. Nobody else had seen this. Maybe nobody else ever would. I don't know how long I stayed there, but it was a while, because for some reason I loved it and I didn't want to go. So, did you ever have a place or a thing or anything, CJ, that was only yours, that no one else ever knew about and held some kind of a, a special place in your heart? Because you were the only one who knew about it. <laughs> I don't think I did. And no? I, I don't say that as a negative. I think part of something, again, therapy, part of something <laughs> that I've realized about myself is like, I am I am someone who naturally just wants to share things. Yeah. I find it quite difficult to hide stuff in general. Uh -huh. So once I've come to a realization, once or once I've found something that's cool, I want to go, look at this cool thing, everyone. Yeah. Or, this is something about myself. Yeah. I, I find it very difficult to just keep it in. 
I always marvel at uh, it's, this is a completely tangential thing, but it's it's something I do marvel at. And and Be- if Bex was here, she would say this: like, if I'm upset about something or if something's gone wrong, I've got to talk about it. I yeah. can't like wait until later. And I always marvel. You see it in in TV and movies and stuff where like there's this festering problem in a relationship or a family that's been going on for it. years. And yeah. I'm like, how how on earth do you live like that? How do you not <laughs> yeah. just say it? Yeah, Straight, I've got I've got no filter at all. So, so I didn't because if I found something cool, I'd be, I'd be when I was a child, I'd be like my brother or when my sister was old, I'd be like, come, come into the cool thing with me, you know. And, yeah. and but that leads to other, other problems in other ways because certainly I had to learn that sometimes you don't have to bring everyone into every aspect of your life because yeah. that has that leads to other issues as yeah. I have learned. Yeah, which is you know kind of the other side of of not bringing people into your life and then finding a happy balance between the two. Right. So, so no, I don't, I don't decide to relate to that, but I love it. I love the idea. (laughs) You know, what's interesting is that I, now I am much more like you. I want to share things with everybody. I don't, I don't like secrets. I don't like keeping anything from anyone. But Mm. back then, like I come from a very large family. I had a ton of siblings and I'm way older than them. So I was always babysitting and watching them. And we had to share everything and I never felt like I understood myself. And so I think that might have been part of it where I wanted something that I didn't have to share that could just be for me. Did you have anything like that, Susan? Any any stuff that you kept from anybody else? Like your your little secret thing that was I just kept yours? Most things from everyone else. Oh. My family is not trustworthy. And <laughs> hope they're not they were problematic they're not. anyways. <laughs> yeah. So I was, you know, like escaping yeah to books and things um like most kids my age i was reading books that i should not have been reading because parents don't pay attention yeah like i know you read stephen king way too young and it explains a lot about you oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i mean other books too that were like super i mean flowers in the attic yeah the big one going around when we were yeah trading it between each other and all, the thing was, too, like, when I learned to drive, I didn't know how to get anywhere because I had never paid a single bit of attention. Yeah. Because I was always <laughs> reading a book. Yeah. So my my family thought this was hilarious. Sure. But, like, yeah, there was just... There was a lot that I just couldn't because my opinion wasn't valued. There, okay. I, I was, like, so incredibly crushed by the you know, expectations of my family. I mean, I couldn't even pick my own clothing until I moved out. Yeah. Like, it was insane. Um, I'm sorry, that sucks. Yeah, it was really weird because I had to figure out all of that. Yeah. Way older than most people do. Which is not that different from discovering your trans and transitioning as an adult and having to figure out how you want to dress and what your style and clothing choices will be. And, you know, I mean, I still struggle. Yeah. Still struggling with it. Me too. But it's interesting with the three of us because I think we hit like every point on the spectrum because you had a ton of stuff that was just for you. And I had a very few tiny little things and CJ didn't have anything. And so it's just fascinating that, you know, everyone's experiences are so, so different and varied. I mean, a lot of my stuff was just going along with what everyone else wanted because my opinion was not valued. So I just gave up on having one. Yeah, I I go along. I, I'm happy to go along with what other people wanted, but I don't don't necessarily. No, I'd never. I I very rarely felt my opinion wasn't valued. Certainly not as a child. But yeah. I'm 
I I tend towards people pleasing. I tend towards you know the 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 easier route if if there's one available. As long as no one's getting hurt and everyone's happy with it, I'll be like, yeah, sure, no worries. I'll float. Yeah, I'll float. Was, I'll float. I'll float through. <laughs> I was very much yeah people pleasing because I was always monitoring the moods of the adults around me to make me too that I wasn't yeah like yeah. that was a huge We're part of set the them up yeah and yeah oh. All right, so let's go back to talking about sewers. Something cheerier <laughs> than rough family childhoods. Okay. Talk, talking of Stephen King, yeah. <laughs> so back in that drainage sewer, I suspect eventually the light let me see my watch, and I realized I had no idea how long it would take me to get back out, and I didn't want to be late getting home. People pleasing, because if I would want to get in trouble, oh my God, what would happen? That's so, like the whole thing when we were kids. Yeah. You had to get home before it was dark. That's it. So I tore myself away and made it safely back out without even getting my toes wet. And I never went back in. And I don't really know why. Maybe because I'd sated my curiosity or maybe the memory was too special and I didn't want to have it ruined or overwritten with repeated trips. So why am I telling you this whole long story? Because going into that sewer, ill-advised as it may have been, took all the courage I could muster. But I wasn't going to let fear stop me. All through my life, I see myself doing the same. Even if it took me a while or too long to do, I finally faced it. You can look at the Twitter and Facebook posts that I made the day I got a makeover from a Hollywood makeup artist, which was when I knew that I could not only transition, but I had to because I finally got my first brief glimpse of the real me. And it reads... Today I did something I'd been terrified to do for most of my life. I can't tell you what it is, but it's not dangerous, so do not worry. All I can tell you is that we only live once, and if you're wondering if you should do that thing that scares you, F yes, go do it. (laughs) I don't know if part of this came from me somehow seeing Defending Your Life on TV as a kid, but that movie had a huge impact on me. We just watched it again last year, and I don't think I'd seen it since, and it was revelatory to discover how much it had impacted me. The movie's about this guy who dies and in the afterlife has to answer for all the decisions he's made where he let his fear override his desires, kept him from living the life he wanted and being the person he wanted to be. The entire story is about facing your fears and not letting them control you because you never ever know what's waiting for you on the other side. And to not know or to let those unknown things go can damage us in complex ways. If you haven't seen it, you absolutely should. It's a warm hug and maybe it'll change your life too. I suspect Albert Brooks never thought it'd help a lady embrace her transness years later, but here we are. (laughs) Being trans in this world takes courage, even though it shouldn't. Being trans should and is just like being left-handed or a redhead. It's just the way some humans are. We shouldn't have to be courageous to simply exist. But we sadly do, because so much of this world hates us for no good reason. And if you somehow need the reminder... Translegislation.com is tracking 492 anti-trans bills introduced across the United States so far this year, and it's April. Oh, oh my God. Okay, so, CJ, uh, you talked a little bit about this in the last episode, but when coming with coming to terms with being non-binary and your own self-acceptance, was there a lot of fear involved that you had to overcome and get past in order to really embrace yourself? I think because my wife, my wife's queer, and I know my my siblings are are kind of are queer friendly, and you know have a lot of acceptance. In fact, you know what? I, I, I what I should really talk about one big step. My brother wrote a play called Rotterdam, yeah. which did I think it played in L? I think it played in California actually at one point, maybe in LA. 
I have not seen it, but I've I've read a lot about it actually. Yeah. So yeah, so my brother wrote that, and and he kind of forged the path for me to come out quite a lot by doing that because I I I love my parents. I'm very lucky. They but they maybe wouldn't naturally educate themselves on trans issues just sure. by virtue of it's not part of their lives particularly. Yeah. But by having that play, which they saw multiple times, that like opened up the vernacular of transition and the vernacular of kind of queer spaces and uh, to them. Because I think my biggest fear was not that that would be rejected because I'm lucky enough to know that wouldn't happen, but that just it wouldn't be understood to the point where I couldn't, I, I just couldn't articulate it any other way. And that would come at the end of the discussion. It would be this endless, like, you know, I don't know how to explain this. You don't know how to understand it. And we're stuck. Yeah, and I would um, hate that because I'd going back to what we were saying earlier, when I like something or when I feel something, I want to express it to people. And I want to bring yeah. them in. I don't want a barrier between it. But because of that, and I'm so grateful to John for writing it because I think it just it opened up that discussion. Because if I had if I had a fear, that was probably it. Because I knew that in terms of my wife, in terms of my loved ones, in terms of you know in in, in terms of my friends, I'm I have a very kind of queer friendly liberal left socialist space around me. Yeah, and so there wasn't going to be pushback from that because I've right. created my little my little echo chamber bubble and I love it. <laughs> it's a happy outside. bubble. It's a happy bubble, and I'm very happy. You know, I'm I'm very happy to live within it. I've I've created that. So it was it was anyone outside of that that would be like, how do I do this? But because I had that, I had could point to that as like, well, here is something you have seen, and this is something that I am now experiencing, and here is what it is, and here it was and isn't. That allowed that to happen. So I I think the fear the fear is the fear is rejection. That's the fear. The fear is rejection. And if that is rejection from your partner, if it's rejection from your parents, if rejection from society in general. Yeah. Like, no one wants that. No one wants to be told because of who you are, because of what you are, because of how you are, off you go. Yeah. You know, I don't want you in my life anymore. Exactly. And I think even when it's someone who you think, you know, sometimes and sometimes that fear is rational, you get it right, yep. you know? Yeah. Yep. Beck Bex always says you have to give someone a chance not to be a uh, douchebag. Uh, she doesn't yeah. use the word douchebag, but we shall use that for this podcast. Sure. We can all imagine a more colorful word. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you know, unless you already know that person to be someone who is going to be a douchebag, you've yeah. got to give them a chance not to be. And then if they are, then they've disappointed you, and you have to move through that and find a way to process it. But hopefully, that they're not. So I think that was the biggest fear that people would go, "No, you're not. Don't be silly. Yeah. Non-binary." Right. You know, and yeah. as I say, I've been lucky, and that's been a tiny minority of reaction. I'm glad that it, it's been mostly really good for you. Thank you. Yeah. There was nothing I feared in life ever held me back except anything relating to being trans. You can see the Trans Tuesday on Halloween, costumes, and makeup for a whole lot more on that. And you can see the Trans Tuesday on my hair and how growing it out scared the crap out of me. And its follow-up on how going for my first real haircut also scared the crap out of me. These things, anything, related to my transness was the drainage pipe at the lake. I saw it. I knew it was there. I wanted to know what was down in those depths so badly. But God, I was so scared to look, so, so scared. And I was afraid enough that I didn't look inside for way too damn long. But eventually I went in, and it was awkward and terrifying, and I was worried I'd get lost in the blackout. Until I found that neon shaft of light that explained it all. Hey, look, you're okay. This is why everything's been so dark and confusing. 
you're trans and that's okay and you can be whoever you want to be and whoever you really are. Thank you for being here again, CJ. No, thank you so much. I'm sending hearts across the Atlantic to both of you. What you're doing <laughs> is brilliant. We need more voices out there. You inspire me to be more vocal about it, which I'm definitely trying to be. And uh, yeah, we will stay in touch. And anytime you need me to, or want me to come and chat and babble on, not just about wine and cheese, give me a shout. We will. We will have, maybe we'll have you back to Babylon about Babylon. Ah, I couldn't <laughs> resist the joke. It's, I'm, I'm a nerd. We've established this. Okay. <laughs> All right. So folks, if you're listening, explore that darkness, find the light inside. Do what scares you. Be who you are. And watch Defending Your Life because it's great. And then look. Look up. Look beyond the great keeping you in the dark. It's open blue sky, girl. Just waiting for you. Tilly Bridges and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.